I speak to you this day in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Please be seated. Today in the life of the church, we remember All Saints Day. Saints Day celebrated on the 1st of November. When you think of yourself, we all are familiar with the concept of a saint, I think. Most of the time we know what a saint is not. Most people will say, well, I am no saint. But what is a saint for Anglican Christians? People define them differently. But all of the definitions I have heard is my favorite, along with my husband's favorite, by Ambrose Bierce, who once said, a saint is a dead sinner, revised and edited. At first, this definition comes across as cynical and even a little bit sacrilegious, but in it, there is a bit of truth. Those saints were people through whom God did extraordinary things. All of them were essentially garden variety people with many problems and flaws they have. They weren't perfect. And many of them weren't even particularly likable. You wouldn't have, have them at your Halloween party. The saints recognized by the church were in the words of the old Book of Common Prayer, all sorts of conditions of people. And for us, this should be incredibly encouraging. And with all due respect to the hymnist who penned the lyrics to our opening hymn, there has never been a saint who now in glory shines who didn't first feebly struggle. The path to sainthood was most often a very rocky road. As I look at the line of saints who have been formally named in the church's calendar, I find the sheer variety of people recognized as saints absolutely diverse and international. Some of you remember the hymn we just sang, you probably sang growing up if you grew up in the Episcopal Church. One was a doctor and one was a queen, and one was a shepherdess on green, one was a soldier and one was a priest, and one was slain by a fierce wild beast. That's my favorite line. With all the diversity of saints, it is somewhat difficult to determine a single character trait shared by all the saints. I would like to suggest, however, that a verse from our gospel lesson today comes close to an identifying, a common thread of the sainthood that we likely be able to discern. In the English translation we read a few minutes ago, the Lord's first beatitude was said as, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This, of course, sounds remarkably religious. And I mean by that, cryptic, esoteric, and somewhat confusing. What does it mean to be poor in spirit? Well, I think the New English Bible gets Jesus' statement a little bit better than other. It translates this verse as, Blessed are those who know their need for God. 
That is what it means to be poor in spirit. If there is one thing, one thing common and large in the lives of the saints is that they come to know their need for God. Here is the very heart of the matter, not only for them, but also for us, for Christians in every age. Speaking of God is of absolutely no use to people who fail to perceive the depths of their personal need for God. God is an abstraction, is an idol for us. One can only begin to know true and living God as one recognizes his or her need for such a being. In the words of the psalmist, the one who really knows God is the person who longs for God as the deer yearns for the water. Not, that is, not primarily as a wish, but as a need. I think Alcoholics Anonymous can teach us much about our need for God. Bill Wilson and Dr. Bob Smith, who founded the 12-step fellowship, recognized that at the heart of alcoholism was a futile attempt to conquer feelings of inadequacy and alienation, feelings of wrongness, with something that, ultimately, we were powerless over. Alcohol merely masked the drinker's real issues by allowing her simply to avoid them. What is more, the attempted solution in the end not only didn't solve their problems, it compounded them, causing life to become unmanageable, concealed them, causing reformation to become more difficult. In short, what was first medicine became poison for these folks, and the side effects further obscured the real diagnosis. When an alcoholic finally came to the end of himself, however, and admitted that he or she was powerless over alcohol, that their life had become unmanageable, they were in a place then where their need compelled them to believe that a power greater than themselves. And this power, they believe, restores them to sanity. The alcoholic's realization of his need then constrained them to make a decision to turn their will and their life over to the care of God as they understood him. And from then on, the drinker is able, by faith in this higher power, to look at themselves honestly, to face their fears and with hope, to begin overcoming their disease. And this process finally brought about in the seeker a spiritual awakening through which conscious contact with God help them to discover knowledge of God's will. Right there is the definition of how to get on the path of sainthood. It starts with honesty, recognition of powerless, and a desire to surrender to God. You cannot become a saint unless you first recognize your brokenness in its fullness and then have the strength to lift up your head and look at the one who is crowned with thorns on Good Friday for the love of you. You cannot live in shame and darkness. But we are here to help you 
and these children to lift their heads up. That is what family does. And that is when the light shines to free you. And that is what it means to be the church. All of us, if we are honest with ourselves, perceive that something isn't quite right in our life. We desperately want to feel right with ourselves and the world. But something inside of us knows instinctively that something is off. We try all sorts of things to soothe this need. And eventually we land on something that helps us to forget it. Whether that's, that's entertainment, workaholism, alcoholism, overeating, or sex. But in the end, these things that we had hoped would make us feel whole leave us feeling empty. And that is the universal human condition. Thus, prerequisite for the good news of Christ. When we finally come to the ends of our lives and are honest about the fact that we can't make ourselves feel right through human endeavors, we are in a place when we can cry out to God for grace and mercy. In those moments, our God reveals to us that His Son, Jesus Christ, lived and died so that our rightness does not depend on what we have done or what we have left undone. Such a spiritual awakening liberates us from the sense of powerlessness that paralyzes us and enables us to amend our lives on a new basis, knowing first that we are loved and cared for just as we are, and second, that God who loves and cares for us won't allow us to remain as we are. In this realization is both our hope for the future and our motivation for action in the present. Let me conclude by saying that as we observe today's feast, we should honor the blessed memory of all the saints by imitating them, but not by idealizing or idolizing them. Every saint who has ever lived is a redeemed sinner, just like you and me. A man does not have to be an angel to be a saint. Only requisites for sainthood are to recognize our need for God and earnestly seek God that we need with all our heart. God doesn't require of his saints perfect success, but merely faithfulness. And that is the reason saints of God can look and be so very different. Don't make the mistake of thinking that you have to be dead to be a saint. In the words of Lesbia Scott, they lived not only ages past, there are hundreds of thousands still. The world is bright with the joyous saints who love to do Jesus' will. You can meet them in school or in lanes or at sea, in church or in trains or shops or at tea, for the saints of God are just folk like me, and I mean the mean one too. In a couple of minutes, we will welcome three precious children to our church family by washing away the guilt of Adam's sin. But let us be mindful of what baptism is. It is beautifully explained in the first paragraph of the service's introduction. 
we have come together to witness the sacrament of holy baptism by which these children are to be made members of Christ's body, the church. By working of this holy sacrament, ordained by Jesus himself, they will die to sin and be raised to newness of life, receiving the fullness of God's grace, that they may faithfully serve him all the days of their life. In the sacrament, the children will turn away from which corrupts that which that harms, and promise to live in the wonderful presence of God who will grant them the gift of Holy Spirit. They will be forgiven and marked as Christ's own forever. They will choose the Lord. And not only that, by this binding of the Holy Spirit, they will become members of the family of God and fellow saints who will dwell with us as we witness Jesus' eternal light and love forever and ever. And nothing, absolutely nothing, will be able to separate them from the love of Jesus by the virtue of our choosing him who loved us and gave himself for us on the cross. And that is the marvel of the love of God Jesus pours us today in the lives of the saints, in the lives of our church, and the lives of the special baptismal candidates. Amen. <laughs>